0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. internet this is chase redshirt king wasner i am the head coach and editor-in-chief at imperial esports and welcome to another very special edition of the rough drafts podcast where the only thing rougher than our pick and ban phase is the feeling of every organization that was praying for a change at the top of the north american ladder it has happened again it is clg versus tsm the deja vu could not be more striking, but I am joined on the other line by not only a good friend, an analyst, and a writer for Slingshot Esports, but also our resident TSM fan, Walter C80s Fed Chuck. Walter, how are you doing, man?
1: I, I'm doing great. I'm still coming off of the high that that 3-0 shellacking has given me. I actually dug way down deep into the bottom of my Narnia dresser drawer, and I found this black shirt that is... God, it's all wrinkly because it's been folded up and stuffed down there for so long. I pulled it out. I, you know, tossed it in the wash. I threw it in the dryer. I ironed it out. I hung it up last night, and then I, I came out of the shower. I stared at my closet, and there it was, hanging all on display. My beautiful, beautiful black and silver TSM shirt. Praise be to Andy Reginald Din. Praise be to Soren Bjergsen Burg. Praise be to the powers that be. Thank you for allowing TSM to once again be one of the best teams in North America. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: I swear, you spent this entire podcast for months bemoaning the team and all this back and forth. You picked against them two rounds in a row, and it keeps working out for you. I love the reverse jinx works for you. you. I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can just see the John Cena, you can't see me over your face right now. like channeling actually,
1: the- actually, actually, I'm doing the, uh, the Ted DiBiase money. There you go. Throwing money out, Ted DiBiase style.
0: Look, it'll God, be... God,
1: it's, it's awesome to be a fan of one of the
0: organizations that Riot just loves. <laughs> one day I might know what it's like to be loved by Riot, or have my fan base just loved by people outside of me. Um, you know, having a successful uh, team to root for one day, hashtag the dream. But we're not here to talk about my terrible decisions in picking teams, or Walter's Fortuitous decision in picking teams. We are here to recap the semifinals and preview the finals and third place match. We will start where the playoffs started on Saturday: CLG versus Liquid. Walter, what was your final takeaway at the end of this series?
1: Wow, um, it, I, I thought it was a, a pretty evenly matched series. It was very much a, a heavyweight title bout, and then it kind of ended with a with a meh, like with a sigh. Like mm. I didn't watch these games until uh just last couple of days. So I had seen all the all the Reddit posts about what, you know, wild and crazy ending to the CLG Team Liquid series. I purposely last night Monty Cristo was doing VOD review and he came he came up on this game and I purposely didn't watch it because I didn't want to spoil it. I wanted to see it and, and react to it myself. And you were on the line as as I watched the end of it. And uh yeah, I'm not very impressed. Um, it happened. It was an ending. It was a good call, I guess, by by Darshan, who I do know made it because they have the mic check of it. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a raucous, roaring fight that sort of ended on a whimper. So I thought it was a disappointing end to a, an otherwise entertaining series.
0: Yeah, I, there were a lot of people who were very hyped about this ending. I don't mean to knock those people down because if it got you excited, you really enjoyed it, awesome. For me, it came down to, was that play either iconic? Not really. I mean, it's two for one. They grab a kill, because Piglet doesn't see it coming. The play ends so quickly. It's just like, oh, it's happening. Oh, it's done. It it doesn't really have that ability to, to latch on. And two... The game was over. CLG had already all but won the game. They'd gotten the Baron. They'd gotten the clear right before. They were going to push into the base. This just allowed them to do it a little faster. But it wasn't one of those, oh my God, they turned around a deficit and had a miracle play to end the series. But, you know, it doesn't have to be as big an ending as maybe the hype around it indicated because it was a series that felt a lot like a boxing match. This is something that we talked about a little bit in pre-call to let people behind the scenes. But it did feel like Liquid throws the first punch. They get out. They immediately go attack Darshan, make sure that he can't get ahead. Piglet just goes ham on Caitlin And they say, all right, what do you have, CLG? And CLG says, we have a really, really annoying Soraka support pick. And for two games in a row, that was it. CLG was just able to... Win all of these trades, all of these team fights, even had an Nivea in game three, just for pure cancer comp, as my players would like to word it. But then we get into game four and liquid just goes ham. And Phoenix has one of the best games I've seen him have in his entire career, which is such a shame because then game five happens and it's 20 minutes of running around the Baron. I mean, let's let's break it down this way, Walter. What did we learn from Game 5 about these teams? Because when you look at the series, when Liquid won Game 1 and Game 4, they won quite convincingly. It was a pretty dominant performance. They just crushed the enemy team, and it moved on from there. When CLG won Game 2 and Game 3, these were very dominant performances and never really felt like Liquid had a chance, and it was a methodical victory from there. So Game 5 is the one that theoretically we should be learning from. What did we learn from Game 5 about each of these teams? I think that
1: Team Liquid played it out the right way. They just never could finish. I feel like they got scared off of the Baron a couple of times where they could have just finished. They could have just tunneled in on it and just sort of gotten it and then pressured their advantage from there. And we learned a lot about the tenacity of CLG and what they want to accomplish as a team. They have once again fine-tuned their sort of Darshan putting pressure on The rest of the map and finessed it into this. Okay, well, now we're going to put Hui on these, on absolutely a double teleport situation on a teleport mid laner. We're going to make sure that he has a really good scaling champion. We're going to allow a Smithy to play also a carry style of champion. And we're essentially going to take some of the carry burden off of Darshan, not put him on a Fiora, not put him on a Quinn and the like, and not have him have to single handedly win the game, but allow him to still exert the same level of pressure. But give the team other tools for other people to carry, and and that's what happened. Smithy played very, very well for the most part on Kindred. I'm still not sold on this Rudon's Hurricane-style build. I personally don't like it. i tried it a couple times, but Also, I'm awful at attack moving, so eh, there's a problem. (laughs) But as a whole, I think CLG has sort of tipped their hand for the finals of, this is what the meta is, this is what we're going to play, stop it. And I think that TSM showed in the other series that they are very capable of playing current meta compositions and know how to beat current meta compositions.
0: Well, we'll get to that comment in a second because I might argue that one with you. But I do want to touch on... The comment you made about CLG, it does feel like they played a lot of their cards here. The one in particular that was interesting was the Tristana in game four that finally got through. Apparently, there's some Rageblade type thing that they were going for. I yeah, don't. Yeah, it's,
1: it's awful. It's awful. It's. I, I don't think we see it again. No, we're not going to see it again.
0: <laughs> I was surprised. It wasn't something that I particularly found threatening. It was threatening enough to Liquid that they banned it three games in a row. But I don't think. That's the way it needed to be. I will say this. I was not as big a fan of Xmithie's Kindred as you were. I thought he did a lot better on the Elise, where he could hand off assists uh, and kills far more easily. He did a very good job of setting his teammates up to make plays. He is a very good, supportive jungler in that way. When he has to make the plays, it can be a little iffy. Some of his Kindred old placements were rough is Nidalee is not necessarily known for being particularly great. And to me, this leaves a pretty sizable hole in the meta for CLG, where Xmithie is just not where you'd want him to be on some of the really popular meta picks. And it'll be interesting to see how they compensate for that. I want to see if Stixay can learn how to build in a game that goes longer than 30 minutes. I don't know what he was doing, refusing to buy a hex drinker when he so desperately needed the magic resist. Made no sense to me, but is what it is. With Liquid, I think the one thing that really showed more than anything is just how young this team is. Game 5 was a Baron dance that probably started too early. I understand that you have catch potential on the Bard, but you still have a ton of mobility on your composition. There was no need to lock down to this one objective could have continued this whole vision game, tried to out-rotate your opponent around the map, and tried to dodge the incredible poppy tankiness for a lot longer than they did. Just seems like one of those we-need-to-win-now kind of calls that cost them in this series, in my opinion. But either way, very close series, very fun to watch. Highly recommend going to watch Game 5 if you haven't yet. Even though it doesn't end quite as highly as maybe some other people would have said, the back-and-forth on that game is really quite fun. And then we go to the other series. And this is a series that only a TSM fan could love. And this is where I'm going to call you out, Walter. What do you mean TSM proved they can play against meta compositions? Immortals did not do anything close to a meta no, 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 composition.
1: Okay, okay. So, so you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. So, and it comes to I was watching Monty last night, and the play style that Team Solo Mid had. I believe matches up very well against what current meta compositions are. And Monty made some good points about how they were playing around the map, about how they were really focusing resources into their top lane tanks. Not kills, not necessarily ganks, but they were funneling a lot of free farm into the tank. That way he could propel himself into a state of where he's unkillable. Monty was talking about the very first game of that series and how Immortals is playing this triple eighty carry composition. All of TSM knows how to build, and he goes, the second that Haunters gets his frozen heart, this game is over, because Immortals will never be able to kill him. And rather than finish the, the spirit visage that he was very clearly working on, he immediately stopped, and he went and got that frozen heart because he understood that. I thought Svenskeren did extremely well in terms of his builds, in terms of his ganks, in terms of getting into Rainover's face, and the rest of the team just sort of followed suit. Yellowstar was fantastic and even though in laning phase they still had a little bit of trouble against wild turtle and adrian just because of the natural lack of synergy between yellow star and double lift in team fights this is the yellow star that we know and love this is the the yellow star who is considered a god on fanatic and one of the best shot callers in the western world and etc 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 they played extremely extremely well i think this series is more about immortals refusal to actually play what is meta and their inexperience with a jungler actually getting into Rainover's face in the, in the early to mid game mm-hmm. than it had anything to do with TSM reinventing the wheel. I think TSM would have played this exact same way against any team, and that is one of the standout staples of Reginald's play. TSM plays one certain style when they figure it out because that's the style that Reginald figures out is good and that's the style that Reginald wants them to play. Go way back to Season 2 where Reginald's playing Kenan, when he's playing Karthus, when he's diving into the middle of teams under their second tower and they're playing that style of composition. Go back to Season 2 when literally every composition they were playing was a global composition with a Shen and a Nocturne or a Nocturne and a TF or a Shen and a TF or da 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 This is TSM at its best. When it says, we don't care what you are going to do to us, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to play,
0: and you need to beat us. And I thought
1: TSM played fantastic in that regard, and
0: Immortals wasn't up to the challenge. Yeah, it left me with some very big pros and cons. On the one hand, TSM, you're left with the positives of they absolutely proved that they understood certain aspects of the composition uh, and where the meta is right now. Lulu and Maokai is gross. That's incredibly gross as a champion combination. And it's something that I doubt they'll be able to get away with again. But Hansa proved, as he's shown before, that he's very good on that Maokai. Sven Sgaren is now being put on aggressive junglers. This is the kind of junglers that I have been saying since the beginning of the season, I wanted to see Sven on. This is why I never gave up on him, even when a lot of people did, because I know that he is capable of hard carrying teams and having these really aggressive ganks and plays when the meta finally shifts his way. And we're there and he's doing it. And it's quite nice to see. And all of these guys, I feel like, outside of maybe Doublelift and Yellowstar, who, as you said, had some laning difficulties from time to time, have really stepped up. On the other hand, we know that CLG is able to make adaptations, and we'll go into this in a little bit more detail later in the podcast, but I do wish that TSM had been a little tested here. There are weaknesses in the compositions that they picked. Not necessarily the Game 1 composition, because that was, I have no idea what Immortals was doing. They gave up so many power picks for nothing, and I'll never understand why they were doing any of this. But in Game 2 and Game 3, there are ways of dealing with the compositions that they picked. It's difficult, but it can be done, and CLG has shown that they can play against those kind of compositions and play to their win conditions, and make adjustments, and handle a best of five series in a way that we haven't seen this TSM squad have to do yet. So I do wish that they'd been pushed a little bit further, just so we had a better understanding of how deep their pockets actually go. But as you said, this is much less a story about TSM and much more a story about Immortals. You used the word stubbornness earlier. Is that everything we can attribute this to? Is there some way that Immortals just understood the meta that poorly? I... What, what are you left with here?
1: I don't think they misunderstood the meta. There's no way that they misunderstood the meta. You could have looked at any single region on the planet. You could have looked at the Turkish Challenger League, for, for God's sakes, and seen that Echo was a strong top laner. In fact, there is a player on this team that played Echo three times in the regular season in Kof <laughs> Kof <laughs> I, it blows my mind that they just refuse. They are so stubborn that they refused to play what the meta was. It took them to the third game to even consider playing a, a mid laner with teleport, even though they saw the series before the series on, on Saturday and saw that Liquid and CLG pretty much exclusively played double TP comps. Pretty much exclusively. They saw that TSM played a double TP comp in game one. And then they shifted to Bjergsen playing the Zed and Bjergsen playing the Quirky because it fit in with what they wanted to try and accomplish. But the refusal of them to go on to anything that actually is decent in top lane. This is on Hooney. And after that series, I or at some point during I think the third game of the series, I said this is Ego Hooney. At some point as a coach, you need to tell Hooney your play style isn't working. After you lost game two as that gangplank and got crushed and had Spencekarin and Bjergsen just pile on top of the on top of the gangplank, they picked Zed purely to blow the gangplank up. Just purely, that was the reason they picked Zed was we're gonna throw Zed on top. We're gonna throw Zed alts on top of gangplank. We're gonna get Huni out of fights and screw it. You guys are gonna have to figure out another way way to win. The second that that didn't work and TSM showed that they were prepared to play against Huni's weird carry-style champion pool, that's when you have to go, all right, Hooney, I know you don't like doing this, but we need to put you on Tank Echo. We need to put you on Poppy. There's no way he doesn't play those champions. And if he doesn't play Poppy, if he doesn't play Maokai, if he doesn't play Nautilus, I, that, is, that is asinine that yeah. the coaching staff didn't make sure that he was prepared to play those kinds of champions or at least have decent counter picks for those kind of champions. GP into Poppy is not a great matchup. Graves into Maokai is not a great matchup. Lucian into Maokai is not a great matchup. Like, come on. This is just, this was
0: awful pick and
1: ban from Immortals. Just flat out awful.
0: And honestly, even if you were going to say, well, Huni's super stubborn, you can adjust for this. You know what you could do? Ban Maokai. If you're really, if you don't play it and you're that afraid of it, just ban it. Haunter's really good at it. Super powerful in this meta. Just ban it. They wouldn't do it. And this is the thing. I don't know whether you can blame, how much you blame Dylan Falco for this. He got coach of the year, this split. So there's certainly some extra attention that we need to look at here. This is one of my reasons why I really hate the, let's just give coach of the year to whoever had the best regular season record, because sometimes you're going to get something like this. And last split, it was liquid with the exact same kind of problems. I hope that seeing best of threes will fix it, but honestly, he lost control of that game from just what Hooney was not apparently capable of doing and how they adjusted to it. If you really want to force carry top laners, there's a way to do it. If you really want to watch me try to do it, you can see in the Turkish challenger scene, we banned Maokai almost every game because our top laner didn't want to play it. He doesn't like tanks either, so I sympathize with that decision, but you make adjustments for that. You account for the fact that something's really strong and you don't play it. So you got to deal with it in another way. And they didn't do that either. So for me, it was just a lot of stubbornness from Immortals, from coaching to the players, to whatever. And that's, you you deserve to lose it at that point. If you're not willing to to figure it out and to show that you understand the game and act accordingly, then I don't know what else to tell you. It's very hard to win that way. In fact, I would dare say impossible to win that way. But this is the path that they chose, and now they're going to have to deal with the consequences. We'll talk about those consequences. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our good friends at Esports Fans because they have been providing so many of the stats have helped us break down our feelings on all of these games. Because there are so many great ways to look at these stats. They use these really nice bars that are so easy to read. They have the color for whatever you're looking at. Versus the grayed out league average. Which allows you to kind of compare how these teams are doing. The post-match pages are really well laid out and help... Really got a handle on what objectives and everything that teams were going for. The player pages have so many details, including the types of champions that these guys like to play. Like Hooney's Echo that didn't show up here. It's on the page. It was one of his more played champions. But, it you know, this is one of those things where esports fans has the data on it and you can keep looking at it and wonder why Hooney didn't do it. But here we are. Walter, what was the number one thing you learned this week as you looked through?
1: The number one thing that stood out to me was how even Svenskaren and Rainover were kind of across the board, how Svenskaren was able to influence not only the jungle positioning into Rainover and kind of keep Rainover on his back foot, but also influence the rest of the lanes. And then the other thing was the way that Haunters was able to rise above and really kind of crush Hoonie in pretty much all categories except farm. Like Hooney is playing eighty carries, so obviously he's going to farm better. But just across the board, it seemed like Haunter has played a lot better game, a lot better series than Hooney ever could have.
0: Yeah, and with pages laid out like this, with guys that are so devoted to creating this analytics network, whether it's for hardcore fans like ourselves that want to really get into all of the nitty gritty of what makes a team great, the more casual fans that just want a quick, easy to read view of where things are right now, we cannot recommend eSports fans. That's fans with a Z or a Z, depending on whether you grew up in the UK like myself. .com. Go check them out as we get ready for these games this weekend. And we start with the third place game. It is Immortals versus Team Liquid. Liquid, of course, having to fight the fourth place curse that, as many people from Team Liquid's fan base reminded us, did not actually happen last split, even though they were... The best team, not among the three teams to get to Worlds, that does not mean that you're fourth, no matter what my, the logic in my head says. I accept that. But now we're back to the fourth place curse and play, and Immortals is just desperately trying to prove that they have some sort of dignity left in them. Walter, what are you looking to see just in game one from these teams to kind of set the pace and dictate the tone for this series. For Team Liquid, I'm looking to
1: see how their young guns and, and Lolo, Matt, and Dardoch, how they react to kind of such a crushing loss, and also how they react to being on such a huge stage. Now, granted, the LCS does have a, a, a reasonable audience, and there is some cheering, and there is some, you know, you can hear it coming through the headset and whatnot, but playing on the road someplace else is a little bit different experience. And for these guys that started the season as challenger players, and then after only about a week, we're now suddenly thrust on the LCS stage. I'm really looking forward to see how they perform in a, in an incredible venue like the Mandalay Bay arena. As for immortals, I'm looking to see if they reign Hooney in. if they reign in their pick bands and they go, all right, we didn't play how we didn't play efficient league of legends. We need to fix this. Huni, I'm sorry. We're going to put you on Echo. We're going to put you on Poppy. We're going to put you on Maokai, Nautilus, whatever. And we're going to go from there. If Immortals is unable to do that because Huni is just too stubborn, and if that's just not their play style and doesn't work, then going into the offseason, they really have to put a lot of work in, not only to getting their players more adaptable and able to play multiple different types of styles, also kind of deciding, well, if Huni can only play this one style, do we need to get someone else? Do we need to move on? Is is this really, are we really going to pray that the summer season goes back to carry style top laners? Because it might not, especially with the mage update that's going to be happening on pit at 6.9. I really think that they might want to look at potentially making some changes. Maybe it's just moving Poe Belter to the top lane and moving Huni to the mid lane. Maybe it's, you know, any of a million things, but this series is really going to tell Immortals a lot about their team and about what they need to do going into the summer season because this match is extremely important. The difference in championship points uh, is about 20. The third place team gets 50 championship points where the fourth place team gets 30 and you have to look at the fact that Cloud9 got 6th place. Energy, while they didn't play great the entire season, was 6th place. Renegades definitely turned on coming towards the end of the season, Echo Fox looked better once their entire team was there. You have to realize that you need to grab as many of these championship points now so that if something happens going into summer split where in the playoffs you get knocked in the sixth round or, you know, heaven forbid you miss out on the playoffs, you have enough points to get you into that gauntlet and get you into the world championship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot on the line for Immortals here. And on the one hand, I understand what you're saying about Huni and needing to be able to prove that he can play a particular style of composition. That said, we've seen him on Cho'Gath. Cho'Gath is a pretty decently tanky champion. He's at least been able to play those kind of off-tank roles before. So something like Poppy shouldn't be that foreign to him. And by the way, let's not forget that he was just coming from a team that made the semifinals at Worlds. You don't do that by failing to be flexible in terms of what you're capable of, in terms of the different kinds of styles and strategies you can bring. So to me, I'm less worried about whether he can do it, and I'm more interested to see if Immortals will do it, because there are two reactions to the kind of series that Immortals had against TSM. First, everything we did was terrible. We should throw it all out and just abandon it entirely, which... I would do in this situation. I almost never recommend that because as a general rule, if you spent this much time prepping something, there's a reason that you did it. But they were so far off what every single other team in the world is doing right now that I can't help but think to myself, this might be the one time where you just throw out, even if you throw out the baby with the bathwater, just there's so much bathwater that you've got to get rid of if you're going to be a decent team. Maybe this is the time that you You throw out everything and just do what works. The other option, which I don't think people are talking about as much as they should, is that they just double down. They just say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We've got this. We can totally outplay people and have these power spikes. And if we just played more aggressively when we had the power spikes, then we totally would have won. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to prove it this time around. And I cannot wait see which option they choose you had to guess walter do you think that they make the adaptations or do you think they're going to try to overpower people the way they did throughout the regular season
1: i think they make the adaptations i think they go okay maybe we're a little too far ahead of our time let's just win this series let's make sure that we take third let's get the championship points and during the off season, we sort of fine-tune what's going on, and we look at where Riot's going to take things, because, you know, as I said, there is going to be a mid-season, a pretty large mid-season update, that they're going to have dragon changes, that they're going to redo a bunch of the mages, that they're redoing blue buff, that they're going to make a whole bunch of new items, and adjust a bunch of items, so I would just say leave the flexibility at home for now, leave it in Los Angeles, leave it in Santa Clara, wherever you're living, come into Las Vegas with smart money, come into it doing the stuff that works that other teams are showing that works, and just get the points. You guys can beat Team Liquid if you play standard. You're better players. Your best player is better than their best player, in my opinion. I think you match up pretty well. Wild Turtle can beat Piglet. Belter can beat Phoenix. Warlow is definitely not Going to really stand up to Huni if you just kind of play each other evenly and don't put Huni in such a terrible position of trying to play an eighty carry into a Maokai or into a Nautilus. So I would say don't completely throw it out, but for this five game series, go with what's working for everyone else because what you had in those three games against TSM wasn't working.
0: Yeah, and that brings us to the Liquid side of things because we don't want to ignore. You know, obviously the Immortal storyline is the flashier one because we were so shocked that they lost as badly as they did, that they picked the way they did. It was very surprising, I think, to say the least. But Liquid here, I'm not sure I agree that Immortals can outplay them from a player-to-player perspective from what we saw last week. In this meta, I think Phoenix is looking amazing, and I'm not sure how is going to match with that. is a guy that we have seen drift in and out throughout his career. He has games in which he shows a ton of promise and potential, and he's going to be that guy, the superstar that everyone was making him out to be for years. And then you have games where he takes a step back and he's much more of a secondary or third option. And he just kind of goes through the numbers. And Phoenix was a playmaker in that series, man, especially his karma I thought was just incredible. And you know, you pointed out how Rainover really struggled when someone got in his face. Dardoch's going to get in his face. Dardoch loves playing aggressive champions and getting in someone's face and then challenging all along the way. And if Huni really is struggling on tanks, then if Lorlo can just keep even and Piglet and Matt can try to dissuade some of the incredible versatility and disengage options that Adrian brings to the table, I think this could be one heck of a series. I have a feeling Liquid's going to ban Soraka all three games. Walter, what other things are you looking for from Liquid if they're going to pull off the upset and manage to escape the fourth place curse?
1: If Liquid's going to do this, they just read the, the game plan that TSM set forth, and it's get aggressive junglers onto, onto Dardock, get him in the enemy jungle, get him into Rainover's face. Rainover didn't show that he wanted to play Graves or Kindred. He went to Gragas. He went to Rek'Sai. Yeah, you had bans of Nidalee on, on TSM side the entire game. You had the Rek'Sai ban in Game 2. You had the Kindred ban from Immortals in Game 2 and Game 3. So it took the kind of took the Graves away from him, or they put it into the top lane. It's really weird that they're really kind of hampering Rain over in such a way that they aren't allowing him to go into the enemy jungle and be aggressive. They aren't putting him onto the really strong meta junglers right now and are sort of falling back onto, okay, well, we'll play the Gragas, we'll play the Rek'Sai, and while they're decent junglers, they just aren't super strong right now.
0: You have to be able to explain those kind of things. Ranover has been designed as a keep Huni alive jungler. That 2v2 has been such a huge part of what made what's made that team so good. And right now, keeping Huni alive is harder and harder. And honestly, the meta has shifted such that you shouldn't be having your jungler focus on keeping your top laner alive. You should be having your jungler focus on getting the other lanes ready and having the side pressure and having these ganks and counter ganks and deeper vision so you can get the pressure on these towers that you want. And Rainover hasn't had to be wired that way this split. It was something that we know he can do because he did it on Fnatic, but he hasn't necessarily been tested and had to do it. So far, this split. So, I would love to see Dardock step up and really try to challenge him on that. I would love to see Piglet get in Wild Turtle's face and say, Can you, in this meta, with the pressure of having to carry a portion of your team that isn't comfortable in this particular style, can you keep up? I'd love to see what the answer is. I'd love to see just how strong this liquid team can look. It's going to be a fun series, Walter. Where do you think the line is on this series? When I look at this
1: series, I think it's that Immortals are still the favorites. I think it's much lower than it it would have been uh, earlier on in the season. So I'm going to say it's Immortals
0: minus 180. Okay, I get this one. You're correct in that it's lower than what we got last week. But remember that last week they were ahead minus 588 over TSM. This time it is only minus 263. I said minus 250. Walter, I think there's value here. I think there's a lot of value here because
1: I'm not sure that I'm not sure how Immortals are going to react to their their first like major major loss because they got beaten pretty bad. Yeah. Even the couple of games they lost, or even the game they lost to CLG during the season wasn't a bad game. It was really really back and forth, and you know a couple of plays just went CLG's way, but this entire series went TSM's way. So I'm really really interested in, into seeing how Immortals bounces back.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of interesting wagers we're going to have to look at. But before we go on to our smart money bets and our finals preview, it's time to talk about Vibi.com. I love the ability to make highlight videos easily and without any sort of knowledge of Video players, because now that I've got my coaching responsibilities, I don't have time to learn Adobe Pro. I barely have time to edit this podcast half the time. I got to find a way to give the people what they want. But it's hard to do when you don't have the tools available to you. But luckily, Walter, Vibi has given us the tools. Have you looked around on some of the Vibi highlights and and what people have been able to create? Because there's some really cool stuff on there.
1: There is some really cool stuff, not just for esports, but people have taken, you know, large lectures on on certain things. Uh, I've seen, it's politics season, so I've seen some people break down some, some lectures from Harvard and MIT and break down statistical stuff regarding the, the presidential election that's currently going on. I saw someone the other day broke down highlights from Kobe Bryant's 81-point game against the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my main man, Kobe, for an excellent, excellent final game of his career. I'm just digging the knife into your back there, Chase. But yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff, and it fits great for all this stuff, and it even fits better for esports because you can take all the highlights of your favorite players in, their favorite, in your favorite game. You can take all those awesome highlights from the end of that CLG game and you know, put it together and show why the call that Darshan made was so amazing and why it was able to end the game for CLG.
0: Yeah, there are tons of options and it's so easy to use. You just put the timestamps in for whatever video player you're working with, whether it be Twitch, YouTube, or even Vimeo nowadays, and you too can make a highlight video that you can embed directly into whatever site you're working on, share on social media, and get involved with the community over there. There's a really nice community that's founded around some of these pages as teams and other notable figures are getting their own spot on this site. It's Created a a lot of really fun opportunities, and we can't recommend it more highly. Go to Vibi.com, start making highlight videos today, and tweet them at us. We love seeing what you guys come up with. So uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy that. Vibby.com, check them out. We have one final series to check out here, Walter, and it is CLG versus TSM. As is always the case with TSM games, I am going to give you the floor I want you to give me, all, let all of your TSM fanboyism out. Just let it all spew into whatever beautiful rant you have prepared, because I know you've got some strong feelings about this series.
1: See, now, if I was clever and a little bit more self assured I would have written an awesome rap and told you to like drop a beat right now and try to make you beatbox. i <laughs> be like, yeah, okay, so here, here here's how it's going to go. But I'm not, I suck at rapping. And uh, we're just going to do a normal rant. We're going to do a normal sidebar. Ladies and gentlemen that are TSM fans, ladies and gentlemen that are TSM haters, everyone please move to the camera to my right, and I'm just going to stare right into your eyes because I want to talk to you about something very near and dear to my heart, my good friend Andy Reginald Din and Team Solo Mid. I've been a fan of theirs since early season two when Dyrus came over from Epic Gamer. Dyrus and their entire show of, you know, let's put videos of us randomly walking down the streets of Lindenhurst, Long Island, New York, and let's go to Subway. Let's go grocery shopping. The streams between Dyrus and the Odd One were fantastic. They were hilarious. There are still great moments of the Odd One playing Nunu, and Dyrus playing Singed or Renekton. I still watch them on occasion now, and even though they are older, they can still be just as entertaining when they're not being destroyed by the saltiness that is Dynamic Q. I've been a fan for a very long time. I saw them rise. I saw them stream starting on Own3DTV. That is a throwback, and if you don't know what Own3D.TV is, please pause the podcast and go look it up, because that is basically... One of the original streaming sites before Justin TV turned into Twitch TV and took over the world. That being said, I have seen this team be amazing for a very, very long period of time, and I must confess I have sinned. I looked away from the altar that is TSM, I faltered in my dedication, and for that, I apologize greatly and dearly. I will never again renounce my faith in the way that I did this year, and I am now going to be one of the most faithful TSM fans you will ever see, at least until they lose two games in a row next season for some inexplicable reason, such as putting Bjergsen on two Lulu games.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I cannot wait until the slightly struggling-to-be-optimistic name for a TSM documentary episode and for you to completely turn on that promise you just made. But for now, enjoy it. You have your team in the finals. I am not here to rain on your parade. So that being said, let me rain on the parade a little bit. I have some issues with TSM. And I understand that it's hard to look at a series like Immortals and say, oh yeah, this is something that we should be having issues with because it was such a dominant performance. But at the same time, I do have concerns about the fact that this roster has not been tested really in the playoffs. They caught Cloud9 incredibly off guard. It felt like this Cloud9 team just didn't have a handle on what was going on. The shot calling was off. A lot of the positioning errors and mechanical mistakes that Cloud9 has had lurking in the background all season popped their ugly head. And Immortals just failed to show up by an incredibly terrible pick and ban phase, an incredibly terrible way of playing against the meta. This is a TSM team that is not that far removed from being 9-9. Nine and nine. That, that is a thing that I think we need to remember, that TSM barely got into these playoffs. And sample size is important. The seven games tell us more than the 18 games that happened previously in terms of respective power levels between TSM and a team that actually is playing at their best right now, like CLG. Are you as concerned about this as I am Walter or am I just drinking the haterade from the outside looking in
1: So I'm going to say I believe that TSM is an incredibly streaky team let's not forget that they began the split going something like 7 and 2 or or with Woodbuck they had like some crazy sat line and then the, the second half of the split they had a lot of problems I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with that they had a lot of problems and I I was one of their biggest detractors I was extremely disappointed in this team because I thought they were the best team in the LCS going into it. So, you know, you look at the talent that they were able to put together, and it just seemed inconceivable that they were they were failing on such a a total level. And I think they found their stride. I think the meta is perfectly in their favor it just absolutely perfect in their favor tank top laners you know semi bruiser tank top laners you can play the poppy you can play the echo but the maokai is huge i think that tsm is willing to play that maokai even into the echo into the poppy into whatever you're going to put in into that lane against it they can have bjergsen play pretty much anything they can have him play a double tp style champion like a lulu or a rise they can put him onto assassins like zed they can do a lot with that and then as yellow star and double lift are getting more and more used to playing with each other, you can see some of that synergy start to develop, not directly in the early laning phase, but going into teamfights. Yellowstar has done an amazing job at peeling for the rest of his team, at taking a couple deaths here and there to make an engage happen, to make sure that his carries stay alive. On Braum, once he primarily hit that ultimate, once he hit the couple of Qs, he immediately was next to Double Lift. He immediately was next to Bjergsen, and he wasn't in the team fight. He was letting haunters on Maokai and Poppy be in the center of the team fight and disrupting everything by himself. But he was standing right next to his AD carry and his mid laner and making sure that they were safe and they were staying alive and doing damage for the majority of the team fight. I think they're finally getting into their own. And this is one of the things that when I go into the summer split that worries me about the league in general and and in terms of Cloud9 and in terms of Team Liquid or whoever loses that third place matches, a lot of these other teams are going to get better. Hopefully, hopefully a lot of these teams are going to get better mm-hmm. because they're going to have more play time together. And I think that we're going to be in for a very kind of tense summer split. I don't think we're going to get a 17-1 and one team like we did this split. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to get a team that loses only three or four games. I think it's going to be very, very close at the top, probably the top six or seven teams of the table, and we're going to be in for a really great series. And I think one of those teams that is going to continue to get better is CLG, Hui and Stixay have surprised me across the board. I did not think they were going to be as good as they are. And some of that has to do with the meta. Some of that has to do with CLG understanding how their players play together and understanding what their play style needs to be for all these rookies to work. And they've just adapted very well. Hui has also kind of flourished in this double TP meta. We saw him a lot on that rise. And I don't think that that rise is going to be very available for him in this series. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings out, if anything, uh, to try and beat TSM.
0: Yeah. I mean, to touch on your TSM point really quickly before we move on to CLG, I do want to say that I appreciate how much better Yellow Star and Svenskeren have looked since the playoffs came around. These were the two guys we were waiting to make that leap and get to where we knew they could be. And it looks like they're there. And as long as they continue to be there... TSM is going to be a very, very tough out for anybody. But that CLG point you made about these tweaks and, and how they've been able to make who he and Stix A grow much faster than you or I thought at the beginning of the season, this is one of the things that I'm sure they're looking to bring into this best of five. It's one of the reasons they were able to deal with what Liquid threw at them, despite the fact that Liquid had two incredibly convincing victories in that series. And it comes down to an understanding of what everyone's role is. Darshan is the leader. He is the guy with a ton of veteran experience who is able to call plays for himself to be a huge factor on this team. Whether it's as a tanky poppy that just gets four kills early and becomes absolutely unkillable as the game continues on. Or whether it's as an echo making all these plays across the map. He just has so much potential to be a threat for his team in a way that's very tough to ban out. You have Aphramou as this incredible shot caller who can make mechanical outplays from time to time. In a way that very few supports in North America can. He is one of those very top tier supports that are just consistently game in and game out doing their thing. And then you have X Smithy who is perfectly slid into this. I just make my teammates better. And he's been such a big reason that Huhi and Stixay have been able to get the resources that they need and keep up with where everything else is going. But I do want to ask you about Huhi and Stixay in this final series, because we're at Mandalay Bay. This is the time where having veteran experience means so much. And we saw Stixay make a couple of mistakes in terms of item builds and positioning errors in that Team Liquid series. And we see Huhi now, as you have said, he's probably not going to get the rise. Are you concerned with their lack of experience heading into this big series?
1: I'm slightly concerned, only because they're going up against two of the the more experienced players in in LCS history, in in Bjergsen and and Doublelift. And then across the rest of the team, Svenskeren's been around for a very long time. Yellowstar has been around since season one world championship. And, And Haunters is, you know... Limited experience, but he does have a year and a half, essentially, on the LCS stage, plus some time in the Challenger Series. Mm-hmm. So I look at Hui and I look at SixA, and they have not been very successful in their Challenger stints. SixA only had one Challenger Series split, so that gives him about one full year of experience playing in the competitive scene, only which half of that is playing in front of a studio audience. Mm-hmm. Going to Mandalay Bay, it's going to be a large, a much larger audience. There's going to be a lot more that he has to deal with in terms of the noise, in terms of the desk isn't going to quite be the same. The headset isn't going to quite be the same. Everything's going to feel a little bit different, and he's going to have to get used to it. Hui has played a little bit more. He's a little bit more experienced since he was on Fusion for a while, and he's also played over in Korea a little bit. So he probably has a little bit more comfort when it comes to these sorts of situations. But he has shown that out of the two, he is the most inconsistent. He has the higher ceiling, he's more likely to carry, but he also has the the lower floor where he is prone to getting caught out. He is prone to getting solo killed in lane. And now he's going to be going up against Bjergsen, who has been one of the best mid laners in the Western world for quite some time. So yes, there is some worry there, but I think that having Aphromoo and having like Smithy and having Darshan around them has taught them a lot about what it means to be a professional, about what it means to be calm and collected in these high-pressure situations. And I don't think they're just going to wilt under the pressure, but I don't think they're going to, to flourish in the way that
0: Bjergsen probably will. Yeah, and that's the thing. is, you look at, what does CLG need from them? I don't think CLG needs them to play five perfect games. I think there's going to be a game in which Bjergsen just outclasses who There's going to be a game in which Double Lift outclasses Stixxay. But you don't need to win five games, you need to win three. And I think what Huhi and A have been able to do as far as fitting into this team mold that Zix has created, and Zix has done a brilliant job. We say this pretty much every podcast in which we talk about CLG, but he's done such a brilliant job of making these small tweaks to the system that have made Huhi and a more and more important in terms of how the team likes to play, in terms of how they achieve their win condition. And I think that as long as they take into account that there's probably going to be a game where the nerves get to them, and probably I would guess it's going to be game one, but if they accept that and play around it and work to their strengths, I think CLG is going to be a very good team, a very solid performance from them. As you can imagine, I believe that if Six figures this out, There's a lot of reason for fans of CLG to have faith in this team. The faith age is still here. They're reigning champs, and it continues until TSM tries to take the throne. But Walter, all of this said and done, where do you think the line is on this game?
1: I believe that CLG should be the favorites on, on this stage. They were better during the regular season. They were more consistent. They played a fantastic series against Team Liquid. And even though that TSM swept Immortals... I, I just think that CLG has proven that they are the better team over the course of an 18-game regular season plus a five-game playoff. So I have it at CLG minus 175.
0: Yeah. See, I had CLG at minus 200, and the line is TSM minus 213. What? So, yeah. What? Unicorn, let's talk for a moment. I don't know how you do your algorithms. I'm assuming what happened here is that TSM was huge underdogs in the last series. Like I said, Immortals minus 588 over TSM. And then TSM won in three games. So that's got to skew all of your numbers accordingly. That said, there is some point in which someone should look at the number that was turned out by the program and say to themselves, that's not right. That's not this is not how this works because this is one of those lines that just is a complete and utter head scratcher. And I don't care that you technically win because of this. It makes the overall season 17 to eight. I I'm, I, I can take that to the bank. I'm looking at what your new Twitter profile picture will be. We'll reveal that on the wrap up podcast next week, but man, oh man, I don't, understand how you justify TSM as the favorite here. Especially this high of a favorite.
1: Wow. Okay. So, so what this tells me is you guys know that panel comic of Homer Simpson going back into the bush and then he comes out with like a new shirt on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's me. Um, I'm going to break my promise and I'm sliding back into the bush and I'm coming out with a CLG jersey on because holy crap am I about to make some money on these finals. Oh my lord! This is gonna be great. They just fantastic.
0: Unicorn just handed CLG the nobody believes in this theory on a silver platter. Second place in the regular season. The only team to beat the Immortals in the regular season. A great five game series in the last one. Reigning champs. They've done this before, and we're just gonna completely throw it out. Can we just say CLG plus one hundred and sixty is a smart money bet? Is that oh, fair?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I uh... tell, tell, tell me tell me what the five game bet is on this too. The five,
0: the five game games. bet? I like this as well. It's plus one seventy.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I like
0: that one. We we never win these game uh, bets. I mentioned last time we've won a whole once on the over five and a half maps bet. But it does seem like it should come through in this series. Like I said, I can see Bjergsen hard-carrying one game. I can see Doublelift hard-carrying another. I can't see both of those things happening. Walter, can I talk you into Liquid plus 190 against Immortals? 195? Oh,
1: absolutely. 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 I don't think Immortals makes the changes, honestly. I think that they're going to just try and force it down our throats. And I think that Team Liquid has proven that they're good enough that they can they can counteract it.
0: Yeah, I love the way that Liquid started to play towards the end of the split. It feels like a team that has really been on the up and up for a while now as these young players are getting used to things. The Steve Kafmeyer advanced stats that we keep bringing up on this podcast had them as the second best team in North America heading into the playoffs. I think that there is a very good case that the finals, the real finals, may have been Liquid CLG last week i think tsm is right in there it's the three of them the way that they played last week with immortals just handing it over for whatever reason i can't wait to watch these finals i can't wait to watch any of these games and hopefully you guys can't wait to give this podcast a review on itunes when you search esports rough drafts or to subscribe to us on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or to follow us on social media where I'm at Redshirt King Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at c underscore LOL and at
1: SlingshotEsports.com.
0: Perfect. We're probably going to be tweeting during all these games. I know I am very excited to watch and see exactly what happens to North America. This is going to be the series that, to me, really shows whether North America has taken that step on the global scale. I want to see these two teams slug it out We've got CLG plus 160 over TSM, CLG and TSM over four and a half maps, and Team Liquid over Immortals. You can try to see if you can beat us on Unicorn.com, go and play with your own Unicoins and see if you can come up with better ideas than we do. And we'd love to see your betting slips if you send them our way. But come back next week. going to be one mega podcast where we break down the four series, Europe and North America. It's going to be a ton of fun. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.